for joining me today on Hashtag No Limits. I'm your host, Shelly Kino. Hashtag No Limits is about people that society puts limits on, but who have busted through those limits. Ophelia said in Hamlet, we know what we are, but not what we will be. I believe this to be true 100%, and that there is no better example than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. The caterpillar literally dissolves and its cells reform into a butterfly. Who would have thought? As the butterfly emerges from the cocoon, it has to struggle in order for its wings to be strong enough to fly. Obviously, this is no easy process, but neither is breaking through limits that society has set upon a person. But just like the caterpillar, when we believe in ourselves, we can accomplish more than others might think. And if we have a support system around us to encourage and facilitate our growth, even better. Today, I am joined by George Bailey. He is a father of five, two of whom happen to have autism. He unfortunately has had many sleepless or disruptive sleep nights in his time as a father. He's going to share with us both as his role as a dad, but also as his role as president of Z-Pods, how he and the company are helping people break through the limits of sleepless nights. Welcome, George. Thank you for joining me today on Hashtag No Limits. Please tell us about yourself and your family. First of all, thank you so much, Shelly. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. I'll talk talk with you a little bit about my family. Um, my wife and I are both uh, from California, uh, but we met on a blind, blind date in Utah and got married three uh, months after our first wow. date. So it was, uh, you know, speed dating. We got right through. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's funny because you get a little bit nervous about telling people about that, at least, you know, within the first year of your marriage, because, you know, they're all thinking the same thing. Like, I wonder how long this is going to last, you know. Right. Uh, but it's been 14 years, uh, very happy years, yeah. uh, adventurous and sometimes hard years. And so now I can say that with a lot of confidence that things are going quite well. We have five children. We've been very blessed. Um, a little bit about our family adventure. We had our first son uh, about a year after we got married, and um, his name is Joseph. And we moved to Germany rather quickly after having Joseph, where I had my first uh, postgraduate job as an instructor at a German university. And we wow. lived there for three years. It was a really wonderful time. I loved foreign language instruction. I continue to, and I still study foreign languages, uh, still speak them whenever I get the chance. But it was a wonderful time. But one of the hardest parts about it is that it became very evident very quickly that there was something uh, amiss, you know, with, with Joseph. And we could see it. it was just, and it was always a little bit hard to articulate, but we picked up on it. And I think that both of us knew by about, by about the time that Joseph was one year old, um, maybe one and a half, that Joseph had autism. Like we knew it. We had we'd studied up on it and we, you know, talked with people. We knew people who had kids who had autism. And, and, and of course, you get a lot of the same things from folks like, oh, I'm sure your kid's fine. You know, they want to reassure you. And, and I think that that's sure. all good intent. I, I don't hold that against them. Right. But whether or not they think your kid is fine uh, has nothing to do with it. Uh, you know, parents are very perceptive. Even new parents can be very perceptive. And in this case, we got it dead on. And uh, so we left Germany so that we could come here to St. Louis, where we've been living for 10 years, so that I could study law school. But one of the wonderful things that happened was that we came into a community that was very ready for our son. Um, Germany is a wonderful place, uh, but it, it does not have the same level of services by a long shot mm -hmm. as what we have here in St. Louis. And so we were able to get an official diagnosis very quickly. 
uh, we were able to get help from his school very quickly. I mean, they jumped right in and it was very incredible. And I know that not every parent has that experience. So I'm very right. grateful, uh, you know. And after Joseph, we had another son and then a daughter and then a daughter. And then about uh, four months ago, we had our fifth child and are really happy about each of these children, each of the personalities that they bring. Uh, our One of our daughters has autism and we would not have known that had it not been for Joseph. Uh, you know, her, her stubbornness or what, you know, more technically is known as perseveration mm -hmm. uh, would, you know, to me, I find it merely charming, you know, uh, even though it's a headache every once in a while when she has sure. a real, 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 real epic breakdown. But um, I think that it will, I don't know, I, I, I tend to think that stubbornness can manifest itself in very good ways mm -hmm. later on in life. And it goes to your beautiful expression about you know we know who we are but not who will be who we will become uh where i i kind of feel like you know some of those traits that we have that may be perceived as negative traits can actually serve as well if we harness them and you know uh bridle them so i'm actually really excited to see where my daughter takes her stubbornness because i think it can actually turn out to be a very good thing for her uh so that's a little bit about our family we uh you know i work in this business i really enjoy it and we love walks. Uh, we go walking every weekend, two times at least. Um, hiking, if we can, I want to, you know, get them up and we love movies and we love food like <laughs> everybody else, you know, a little bit about us. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I really appreciate that you recognize that stubbornness um, can be used for good uh, because as someone with red hair, I've been told many times in my lifetime that I have a hot temper or I'm stubborn. And I, I feel like being stubborn just means I know what I want and I'm not necessarily going to settle unless you can convince me that there's a good reason for me to change my mind. So, it's a wonderful attribute. I think it's, it's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy. And I, and I agree. There are several things. I mean, I often think about our kids who have ADHD. Um, they're true multitaskers. Mm. And, you know, in a school setting, that's not, and in a childhood, that's not necessarily the great thing. But when you think about, I mean, how many different things do you do at your job in a day? And you're focused on this, and then you're focused on this, and then you're focused on this. And if we can harness that, inability to focus on one thing, we can maximize amazing ability later. Yeah. So. Well, and, and one of the things I've noticed about ADHD that goes the other way, um, but in a good way, I mean, um, I have uh, ADHD diagnosis. I have since law school when I figured out that I had it um, and went and saw some specialists to really, you know, lock in and figure out, you know, what's, what's up with me? Like, why am I having a hard time with this and this task? Mm -hmm. Why not? And one of the things that I've noticed is that um, one of its great strengths is, or I'll actually, I'll start with the weakness and then go to the strength. The weakness is this. When you are in between tasks as somebody with ADHD, uh, it's a nightmare because your mind starts playing with the possibilities of what you can do next. And mm -hmm. that becomes so overwhelming so as to be uh, you know, to, to basically make you freeze, you know, you're thinking like, ah, you know, there's so many things I could do next, therefore I'm going right. to do none of them. Right. And so I find that taking, recognizing that in myself, taking a breath and then locking in that when I lock in on that one task, 
that I can just go with it, you know? And so ADHD in some cases may be interpreted as having, you know, many different focuses, you know, all at the same time. But when somebody with ADHD becomes focused, they are, you know, and just ask my wife, I mean, she'll, she'll, George, 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 if I'm in the middle of something that, you know, has my attention, Mm -hmm. it has it all the way. But that's only after I've taken the time to kind of meditate a little bit, think about what is that next step, and then to lock into it. Uh, mm-hmm. And that goes back to our children. You know, I've got another kid with ADHD, and I'm sure that you've dealt with many kids just like that. And I'm now trying to teach him what it is that I do that has allowed for me to be able to lock in and get the thing done that needs to be done. That's awesome. And I mean, the whole you know premise here is hashtag no limits. And, and like we talked about, harnessing that instead of saying, that's bad, don't do that, or, oh, you're not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z because of ADHD or autism or not getting sleep. Um, So I do want to uh, talk about some things regarding your children specifically. Um, So I think you said in your intro that um, you recognized pretty early on with Joseph that he probably had autism. Um, I think you said around the time he was one, you noticed that. So what sort of process did you then have to go through in order to officially get him diagnosed? And then when he started going to school, what were there barriers? Uh, were you still in Germany at that time or were you back here in the States? Great question. Uh, Germany, they just were not simply not. And sorry, I'm going to have to adjust myself. I'm not sitting That's in a okay. standard seat. So, <laughs> That's <you know>. okay. <laughs> As you can see, you know. Right. Um, yeah. We'll Germany get to that, was, sign, was that uh, space thing you're in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> um, I, I, and I'm going to hear, I'm going to give a kind of a disclaimer to everything that I say. Every single thing that I'm going to say to answer this question is that my wife knows the answer better. Okay. And she really does. Um, she understands systems better. She understands mm-hmm. bureaucracies better. Uh, and that has always been a, a really wonderful blessing to both of us. Um, so I'm going to give you the best answer that I can. In okay. Germany, they simply, they cannot diagnose a kid, um, with, you know, diagnose a kid for autism until I believe the age of, I want to say 11. It might be yeah. nine. Yeah, I mean, it's late. And any way that you look at it, particularly in a culture in which we set a, a high standard, you know, um, early intervention, mm-hmm. you know, that's just, it's so late. Yeah. And so, you know, we wanted to be able to get what kind of help we could. And, and Germany was very hard that way. Again, I'm not trying to knock Germany. I love, love, love the German people. I love the, the culture. I love living there. Um, I miss the Autobahn. like <laughs> business. Um, But the only thing that we were able to get there once we had a diet, it, not, it wasn't even really a diagnosis. It was just bringing up the fact that our son obviously had some severe sensory issues, that we were at least able to get him in uh, with a, a sensory room where a woman would kind of take him around and, you know, play with, you know, get his hands into beans and, st- you know, dry beans and stuff like mm-hmm. that, some of those activities, get him on a swing to improve his vestibular sense. And um, so that was you know, it was good that we were able to find a way to be able to do that. But once we came back to the United States, I think that what it really required was that, uh, you know, my wife got out there and just asked a lot of questions. And I think that one of the big strengths that we had coming into St. Louis is that I had a a sister here at the time with her husband and kids. 
And so she was able to, it was really a community thing. And if there's maybe one thing I want to emphasize, that is, you know, utilize your community. And Christina is very good at doing that. She was able to talk to my sister. Okay. Like what are the different school districts out here? Like, but also, you know, she was, we had a congregation at our church that was, uh, had a number of doctors and we were able to ask them questions, oh, and nice. yeah. talk, you know, what types of places should we be going and seeing? Um, and as we went out and did that, um, again, I'm not giving you a lot of detail here just because, you know, as a lot of this is going on, I'm studying at law school, you know, sure. the arduous task. Um, but I remember when we first got into a early childhood development program that one of the teachers uh, really took Joseph under her wing and that helped a good deal. You know, so mm-hmm. number one, community. Number two, once you get in, you know, look for that teacher who is kind of like your your sons or your daughters, a uh, real advocate. And this woman was just extraordinary and was just like, hey, can I please fill out this paperwork for you? So that you oh. can, you know, to get your right. son. You know, I mean, really going in above and beyond. And that, that to me, uh, it, sometimes I feel like that can be very thankless work. Um, but I think that having a teacher who's really your kid's advocate really helps. Um, there's no question that we had an advantage above other people who don't have those types of resources, right. who don't have the type of church community that we had and uh, were readily able to integrate into once we arrived here in St. Louis to a new home. Um, so we're very grateful to the people that did help us. And I and I wish upon everybody that type of community that takes my children in and, and um, helps them. So uh the the diagnosis i'm trying to remember anything specific about that i just remember that they would say okay you know we we had insurance and you know we just had to utilize those um, those services to go see you know doctors that can diagnose him but i i wish i could give you a much better answer about that no that's you know, good. more helpful but i i hope that if there's any nugget here it's that you do need to be willing to reach out to those around you to your community they want to help. Um, at least, you know, I, I hope that they do. You know, I wish that type of a community on everybody. Yeah, that's wonderful to have that great community is is definitely yeah. a benefit. And, and unfortunately, you're right, there are places that that is not the case. Um, so one of the things that you had mentioned um, to me, separate from today was that y- you had some sleepless nights. Um, because of Joseph and and all of his sensory needs. Um, Are you finding that you are having that with your daughter as well or not as much? Uh, Which daughter? It depends on the- The daughter daughter with autism. Um, In a different way. So I'll describe Joseph's in detail and then describe uh, my other, my daughter Madeline's in detail. And and it was quite different. Um, Joseph, it would be that he would be in bed get out of bed and then he would bounce around the entire room stimming and you know he's stim 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 and his method of stimming um which you know and i'm sure a lot of the parents who watch this understand what stimming is um kind of you know compensating for an overstimulating environment is he loves having a pen or a pencil in his hand and then waving it like this out of his peripheral and that was the way that he would do that and you could just hear it all around the house because just this heavy footfall. And that was harder, I think, on my wife than it was on me. Uh, I'm a little bit easier to fall asleep 
if I wake up in the middle of the night, I can have a rough time getting back to sleep. But, you know, in terms of that first that initiation of sleep, not as hard of a problem. But, you know, I, it always still bothered me. And, and we'd find ways to go in, you have to issue threats and give hugs and all of the rigmarole, you know, that you'd have to go through. And what made it even harder for Joseph was that his little brother, you know, uh, two and a half years, his, his junior, would distract him and play with him and fight with him. And you know, <laughs> as a sibling does. <laughs> yeah, as every sibling does. And in that respect, it was entirely normal. But the thing is that Joseph, all of this would only add to the stimulation. And he does not need less sleep than other children, but he wasn't getting as much. And I would say sleeping six, seven hours a night, which is uh, not horrible. I've heard of much worse, right? but certainly not great either. When you should be sleeping 10 or 11 hours of sleep, you know, at the age that he was and, and, you know, and uh, so that was one thing, but then Madeline, it was, it was always different. It was never, um, you know, this overstimulation because she does not seem to have a sensory processing disorder on the same level as Joseph, Her, you know, as is typical between girls and boys, girls manifest autism very differently from their male counterparts. And so so did she. And uh, the sleep was never a huge issue. Um, but certainly her sister and she were, you know, because she has an older sister who's three years older than she, uh, you know, they're partners in crime and they would play together and they would be loud together and they were always up and running around. And it was, it was kind of the same thing, but not quite as severe. And, you know, in the case of the girls, if one of them fell asleep, the other one fell asleep right after so it was really like this, you know, reciprocal thing that was going on. But with the boys, typically William would fall asleep after they played out or whatever. And then Joe could be up in another hour or two hours, you know, and sometimes or even later, just bouncing around. So for Joseph, I mean, it was a real problem. Uh, not the same as with Madeline. So on top of not getting enough sleep, what does that do to a person? What does that do to the individual? What does that do to the family as a unit? This is such a great question because there's a lot about it that we don't really understand. Here, I'm going to bring that other leg around. Don't <laughs> <laughs> bring a lot of knee into your interviews right there. That's but, okay. That's okay. okay. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I think that to simplify it, you just don't perform as well during the day. You're not as happy during the day. No one functions as well on little sleep as they do on a good amount of sleep. Yeah, you can oversleep, but that's not the issue with, with these kids, you know. Um, and one of the things, you know, I've read a number of uh, autism studies that tend to demonstrate that kids who are not getting enough sleep, uh, number one, that they're not able to take advantage of their uh, therapy as effectively. You know, they feel dysregulated. So their sensory issues may be more severe depending on the sleep issues that they're experiencing. Uh, I know for a fact that, you know, we have seen some kids that we've been helping sleep is big for my business. And we might talk about that more in, in detail later, but we know for a fact that the kids who aren't getting as, as good of sleep, uh, manifest certain sensory issues that they may not, if they're getting enough sleep. Uh, and then the other thing that's always scary for kids with autism is that a very high percentage of them, uh, are prone to have seizures. And seizures and sleep have a vicious cycle relationship in that if you have a seizure, it's less likely you're going to have good sleep, which means that you're more likely to have seizures, which means, you know, and, and we could go mm -hmm. through that on and on. 
uh, one feeds the other in a very negative way. So sleep is very important to our health. We know that when we are in deep sleep, that our, uh, there are certain chemicals that tend to wash over and clean and regulate the brain. You know, so it, it's very good to have good sleep on so many levels. And as adults, we learn how to cope with the occasional not good night of sleep or yeah. even a few good nights of, I mean, a few bad nights of sleep. Um, but kids don't have, typically, they don't have that ability to understand kind of what that feeling is or even what's causing them to behave a certain way, or as you mentioned, you know, have a certain need for sensory stimulation of some sort. Um, and so as adults, we tend to kind of not give it the credit it's due for having not enough sleep or having very restless sleep. Because even if you have eight hours of sleep, but it's very restless sleep, you, from my understanding at least, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you don't get that cleansing that you talked about yeah. because you have to be in a deeper sleep in order to get that. Absolutely. You know, and, and it's, it's hard for children to really kind of perceive the necessity of many of the things that we do as adults. Uh, I always remember that when I was a kid, my brothers and sisters who were older than I, uh, you know, they would have children and they would, there would always be this moment where the kid would be throwing a fit and then their parent would say, Oh, they must be tired. So I'm going to take them home and give them a nap or whatever. And I always kind of felt like that was a cheap, you know, cheap way out. I'm just like, what? You know, why not just give him or her what, what she needs? Like, you know, why not give her what she needs? Like, you're totally cheapskated. It. Like, yeah. anytime there's a problem, oh, they must just be, you know, having a hard time sleeping. Now, now I get it. Now I'm just like, no, this, I, I know when my kid's thrown a fit over just being flat out exhausted. You know, and I know that that's hard for the kid to recognize, as you say, I think that that's really good. Um, and, and I think that it's kind of tough in the, in the sense that they want to be grown ups and they want to be up when you're up. Yeah. Uh, I remember an old episode of, of Full House, not ever one of my favorite sitcoms, uh, you know, a little bit cheesy. I always thought it was a little bit too Pollyannish. Uh, but there was one episode that always stuck out in my mind, and that is that the youngest in this family has this this kind of vision of what must be going on when she goes to sleep. And there's like a veritable circus parading through her house with clowns and elephants and all sorts of excitement. Right. And she, here she is missing out on all these fun things that parents are doing, you know, when, when really it's, you know, usually like if my kids are down, then my wife and I are watching an episode of some, you know, series we really enjoy or reading a book. Right. Not or that, laundry or cleaning yeah, the house yeah, yeah. or, you know, the really, really fun things. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's certainly nothing that they're interested in, right. uh, nothing that they have any interest in doing. But you have to really kind of impress on them the, the value. And I think that part of that is through routine. Yeah. You know, routine is probably the best thing you can do. Uh, it go, it's going to trigger certain signals in the brain. It's going to start producing more melatonin you know, which makes it a lot easier for the the kid to kind of just accept. And so I love routines. I have a little routine board, like a poster that uh, we have um, that's laminated and that I'll show my kids before they go to bed. I haven't done it as much as I need to lately, but it, it has a certain effect where it shows a picture of the kids, you know, brushing his or her teeth, uh, saying your prayers. 
and giving mom and dad a hug and a kiss or bedtime story, you know, all the things that you would do. I think that that's a great idea Absolutely. to cultivate a warmth towards the, you know, the act of sleeping. Yeah, that's, that's fabulous. That's a great idea. We, we in the education world call those visual schedules. Um, mm. So it's, it's, you have a schedule of what you have to do and you can either see it with pictures or some people will write the words on there if the person's able to read. So um, yeah, those are, those are incredibly helpful because it also gives you that satisfaction of check. I've done that one. Check. I've done that one. Um, so that's, that's really good. So um, we've talked about autism and um sleep deprivation and possible seizures. Um, there was, I think, a statistic that you had said in another interview that I had watched of yours, um, where 80%, I think it was, of kids with autism have a sensory deprivation. Is that, it's, it's that right? 80% of kids with autism have, a, uh, up to 80%, I should say, okay. uh, have a chronic uh, sleep disorder and up to 90% of children with autism have a sensory processing disorder. Uh, and it's thought by some at least that those two are heavily related. I, I'm in that camp, um, but I couldn't, you know, parse it and give you the exact, you know, like this is why it's just after enough reading and, and just familiarizing myself and seeing it in my own kids. Um, I think that there's certainly a big relationship, but, you know, uh, correlation does not make does not causation make something like that. So you have to be very careful about what you allow yourself to and, and not to believe when right. studying things. So um, you're, you're in this sort of spacey looking atmosphere um, today. You have on a shirt that says Z-Pods. I mentioned at the intro that you are the president of Z-Pods. Um, where in your life did Z-Pods come into your life? Uh, by luck and by dumb luck at that. <laughs> um, it really was, uh, you know, I was, uh, I had been working in the financial services sector for a little while and I enjoyed it. I, I find a lot of meaning in that. And I'm a big believer in financial literacy. Um, I'd even done a little podcast of my own about financial literacy for a time. Um, but I had a couple of uh, friends of mine. We all sit on the board of directors for the Asian American Chamber of Commerce. I don't look the part, but uh, I speak Mandarin Chinese and been very engaged in the Chinese and other Asian communities in St. Louis. And uh, two of my friends had noticed that I was not looking too, you know, happy about my current situation. I had kind of mm -hmm. felt like I was looking into a job that was probably not a good fit for me. And, uh, you know, I was just looking for something different and they decided to come in, swoop in, you know, pick me up and say, George, we're, we're bringing in some really cool technologies from China and we would like to find a market for them. And we think that you have a lot of fun with us. And I'm great to this day. I'm so grateful that happened uh, over well over a year, about a year and a half ago, they swooped in and uh, picked me out of this situation. And, and we started working together. And one of these technologies that we were work, working with uh, in China were these beds, capsule beds. Ca capsule bed is the more technical name for what it is that you're looking at right here, where you're fully enclosed. I'm lying on a or sitting on a twin size mattress. So if I were to lie down straight out, I could fit in here quite easily, could fit up to a six foot five individu individual. Wow. And uh, the way that we are, my partners had discovered this is because one of them had been traveling in China. And he had stayed there, stayed in one of these beds at a hotel, which is the way that they use them in China. They use them for hotels, micro hotels mm -hmm. or at airports, you know, 
And he thought, oh, this is kind of cool. And then a friend of his uh, in Florida that was building a Star Wars themed living space and needed a very convincing bed. And Gary, Gary's basically like, oh, I've got the bed. <laughs> so he actually shipped a bunch of these in from China. And then we would sit around uh, the ones that he shipped to St. Louis. So he got some extra ones. We sat around the extra ones, just kind of thinking like, what do we do with these? You know, like, is there a market? And I kind of thought that they were a little bit too like futuristic and stuff like that. But then one of um, our connections would prod us and say, you really need to look at sensory rooms. And that was just kind of like a, a slap in the forehead for me. <laughs> not like, oh my gosh, how did I not think of this? Why was I not keep giving this really real consideration? Because I knew that like any kid really, but I, I knew specifically that my oldest son, Joseph, would take to this and love it. I, there was just something I intuited as a parent, like, oh my gosh, you know, so we tried it out. And I noticed that, you know, Joseph got inside the bed, closed himself in. And then he uh, just, you know, just settled down and he was straight on his back with his hands behind his head, looking up at the ceiling and he wasn't stimming. Oh. And I thought that was just so extraordinary, you know, that, it, and, you know, and people have different feelings about stimming. Some say, well, what's so wrong with stimming? Don't stop a kid from stimming if he or she finds it comforting. And I'm of that camp pretty much, but I also think like, but also you have to recognize that if your child is stimming, that's because the environment around them is overwhelming. So there's nothing wrong with stimming. Right. But it's a signal that something is wrong. Right. You know, that something is overstimulating, something is uncomfortable. And so obviously, you know, it looked like Joseph, by all accounts, I mean, he was really just chilled out. I thought, wow, he finds this very comforting. So we went around and we asked a lot of autism specialists what they thought of the idea of using this as a bed or just kind of a decompression chamber for kids with sensory processing disorders. And they all thought it would be really cool to try it out. And, you know, we we have plans now. Uh, ultimately, as we grow, we, we really do want to do some studies to be able to put some metrics on, you know, what type of quanti uh, you know, uh, qualitative improvements do we see in you know kids who use this as a regular place but in the meantime we've been you know uh working with parents who want a, this as a solution who are who are literally at the end of their ropes in terms mm -hmm. of like looking for something to help and when i'm talking about like parents whose kids have problems with sleep but we're talking about two hours three hours four hours right. of sleep a night yeah. and, and this that's this is destructive you know no matter how you cut it this is not good for anybody in the family right and so we come in and, and we tell them always, we say, this is not a surefire solution. But we have experienced that some kids really take to this. And one of the kids, you know, whose story was the most dramatic or one of the most dramatic now, because we've had quite a few that have been rather incredible. She was sleeping four hours a night in a closet that was lined with Christmas lights. And for her mom, this was so familiar that she said, I want to try it. I think it will work. She got her daughter to start using it, um, and that was last November. And every basically, you know, since then, she's gone from four hours of sleep a night to roughly over 10. Wow. And uh, it was shocking. Uh, you know, there was no other way to put it. I mean, like, I was crossing my fingers. I told the mom, <laughs> I said, we really do not know right. if it was going to work. But it worked in such dramatic fashion that there was no ignoring it. And so we're very 
sure to tell everybody to give them those qualifications. Like, hey, you know, uh, basically we say at, the best thing that can happen is that, you know, after you buy the bed is that you're going to see some changes in your kid. And the worst thing is that you're going to have the coolest spaceship bed in the world. <laughs> right. you know? And I mean that I, I really do. I think like at, at the end of the day, at the very least, you've got the world's coolest bed. Right. Yeah. You know? So show us some of the features um, in this world's coolest bed. Thank you. I, I'd love to, love to. I'm going to show you the control panel right now. First okay. of all, there is this mirror here that you can see. And the the thing about the mirror is I, every kid loves mirror. They're all little narcissists. And, you know, they, <laughs> but the thing is that the mirror is surrounded by this light that can change colors, you know, and oh, uh, wow. according to their mood. Yeah. And so, you know, they may have just a different mood or you can just turn it off altogether, you know. But okay. uh, yeah, there's the mirror. There's a reading light right here. You can dim it. You can turn it off entirely. You can, you know. Uh, and then there is a, I don't know if you, the camera caught that correctly. I'm trying to, oh, there, there's the reading light. Okay. There, there we go. Okay. And then uh, here is the fan and here is the ceiling light, which if you look light up, you know, you can see that ceiling. So those are some of the features. The fan itself generates white noise, which a lot of kids find very soothing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of yeah. kids love fans. Right. Uh, the in particularly love that. As the years go by, uh, we have other features that we plan on adding as this thing grows. But as it is, it's already it's just super cool environment. And I'll, I'll admit that if I ever have really stressful time, I'll come in here and just chill out. Yeah, yeah. I, I have become a little claustrophobic over the years, but I think that would still be soothing because of the fans. Um, yeah. Because of the the air movement, you have I think. that reassurance that there is airflow in here. Yeah, right. air's not an issue. We get asked about air airflow. First of all, you can see that even the the sliding doors does not seal. Mm -hmm. Nothing seals in here, and you have two gaping holes in the sides for the fan. You know, nothing seals, but you still get. You know, when I turn off everything in here, you get dark. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is better than heavy curtains, and it has uh, at least some sound. Uh, how should I say it? Uh, you know, it, it does take away from the outside sound a little bit, dims mm -hmm. it, um, for lack of a better term. It doesn't kill it entirely. The only way to get total silence is a total airtight container, uh, which we're against for liability reasons. Right, right. And no, here you. <laughs> I would not want that for my child or anyone else either. <laughs> yeah. But, so, uh, yeah, so, so in anything, and there is uh, some of them you can, you know, you can put a television in here. I don't do that for my kids. It's not my cup of tea to give my kids television late into the night mm -hmm. uh, or control over their own television. But you could uh, literally connect a television to this thing and it totally works. It's really cool. Um, but you will, you know, I, I'm not going to say too much about what's coming down the road. Uh, I, I, I get giddy about it. I get really excited. <laughs> uh, I will say that as is, the bed is really cool. And then in the next few years, you will see different versions of this come out. So we're really having fun. So at this point, is it customizable to any degree or is it everybody gets exactly what's in the pod as everybody else? So it's customizable in the sense that you have a control panel that okay. allows the child to be able to, you know, I like this color as opposed to this color. Mm -hmm. You know, I like this degree of light. Some children need total dark. Some children need at least just a little bit of light. And so if I turn this down to its dimmest setting, you still have quite a bit of dark, 
you know, mm -hmm. but it remains consistent throughout the night. And of course, the temperature and fanning is customizable according to the kid. Uh, but the bed itself comes, uh, you know, as the pod right here, the frame uh, it does not come with mattresses. We sell those separately. Okay. Uh, and the future iterations of this will have other customizable features that we are going to introduce. But for now, I'm going to remain silent. on what yep, those are. That's, that's fine. That's why I said as right so now. Say, if you thought of it, we've thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> Our imaginations run wild on this. And one of the reasons why I love doing this for kids with autism, uh, some of the kids that use these beds are not autistic. Mm -hmm. And but the thing about kids with autism as a starting point is that they are so different that every last one of them forces us to think outside the box about what we're going to be preparing in the future. Mm -hmm. And we try to listen so hard to our customers and we get so many great ideas from people who come to us to, uh, for help. So something that me as a parent, and again, me as somebody who's just a tiny claustrophobic, um, the doors. So I, I know that there's air in there, but um, it, would there be a way for somebody to get stuck inside of this? No, it, it really, no. It's So the door, just so you can see, is on a track, and it slides open and closed very easily. It does not lock, and it's it's high-quality uh, but if there were an emergency, you could readily take the door off, you okay. know, so, you know, I wouldn't want that to have to happen. Sure. Uh, you know, every once in a while, for example, we've had a kid who's stuck his blanket in the track, but, you know, parents for whom that has happened have not had any serious issue. Okay. Yeah. That was my thinking was, you know, as, as some of these um, kids really want, I've, I've had students in the past that have. Um, not locked themselves in, but really wanted that very tight, small space and wanted everything else out and have done whatever they could do to prevent someone from coming in. So I was just thinking, you know, and you just said it like a blank. Uh, you'd, you'd, have a, you'd be hard pressed not to be able to, you know, get in. Um, you know, even the other question I commonly get asked is what about fire? And, you know, with fire, uh, it's the same thing. You, it, as I said, it's not totally soundproof. So you'd actually still hear fire uh, fire or fire alarms and whatnot. And mm -hmm. uh, it, think about it this way. It's, it's one additional layer between you and your bedroom door. Um, you know, if, if you have a fire, no matter what, you're still going to have to go to your kid's room. You're still going to have to extricate the kid. Right. Um, so it does, not it does not create a substantial obstacle uh, in addition to what's already there. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. And that's good to know. Um, we, like we're all parents, the, the primary founders of this, or most of us are parents. And so we think about these things as well. We care about the safety of these pods. It's always, you know, the big nightmare scenario is what, what could go wrong? Right. You know, we ask ourselves those questions. So I, I love those questions. Right. So before I get to, I did have one person who, um, sent a question to me to ask you, but before I get to that one, um, so you said when Joseph first took to it, or he, when he first saw it, he, he went in and he was calm. So how long has he had his and what kind of a difference have you seen just in your own son? There have been some pretty big differences. We've had it since the beginning of June of this year, which is around the same time that Joseph's little sister was born. So that in and of itself was quite an adjustment. 
you know, for them to get used to having a fifth child in the home. Right. But the big, enormous difference uh, in both rooms, because we bought, you know, two beds, one for our daughter's bedroom. I'm actually in my daughter's bed right now. Okay. And the other one is for our son's bedroom. And in both cases where you have kids who fight, 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 play, 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 bigger, 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 you know, you, you all of a sudden create this automatic barrier between the kids. And it sends another psychological, psychological signal to them like, hey, it really is time to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And Madeline will get inside the pod and she's good. She's, you know, no more older sister to tempt her, you know, get away foul temptress, you know, right. like, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and that creates that other barrier. I think that it's really uh, good for her that way. And, and they play way less, which means that they get to bed when we put them to bed at eight o'clock, their bedtime never changed after we got this. Okay. Then we put them to bed at eight o'clock. You know, you may get a few little disruptions, but really not that much, not compared to what was going on before. And in the boy's case, it's been even more substantial because Joe was staying up until, you know, 10 on a good night, 11, 12. And now Joe, you know, pretty much goes out 830. You know, he gets inside of his bed. His brother doesn't bug him. Uh, every once in a while, they'll bring food in here. And that's something, you know, like, I'm not going to say it's perfect and everything's changed. And we're, you know, it's like, no, they're still kids. But the fact of the matter is Joe's probably getting an added uh, at least two hours of sleep per night on average. And And that's that's huge. That that takes you quite big. If Madeline, it's maybe one to one and a half, somewhere around there, Mm -hmm. uh, added, you know, sleep. But that had more to do with distractions from her sibling. Joe, it was a real thing. I've actually only heard Joseph outside of his bed once since june like where his his heavy feet were you know so in other words you know you you have these episodes but they're much less and it's the same with our our other clients you know we uh even our best cases every once in a while you'll just have a bad night oh sure you know and, and that's just what happens this doesn't take away all of your problems but in terms of i think the biggest meaning for for that for me and my wife is that that means that when we go to bed or rather, when the kids go to bed and we're still up, we get to really enjoy the evening together. Right. There's not this, you know, there's not this constant flow of kids coming in and out of our bedroom or, or our office where we're watching a show or something like that. And we get to rest a little bit more. Now, in terms of Joseph's other, you know, what, what else? I mean, he, he's a happy kid. And so I am reticent to you know, say that we've seen these enormous changes in his daytime behavior and stuff like that. It's, it's very hard to say because a lot of this is happening during COVID. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, is he behaving better in school? He's not at school. <laughs> right. You know, you know right. but he's a happy kid and he, he continues to be happy. And I've always been grateful for his overall disposition. I, I, I love that he's just a super son, you know. And, uh, so I can't say that I've seen this incredible but i don't know i can't say that i haven't I, i'm i'm, I'm right. watching i mean those types of changes they take time sure um and but with madeline one thing that has also been a really big difference is that you know here we have a, a young a young little woman you know five years old who will have these enormous tantrums and prior to the bed, you know, the tantrum could go on and on and on. And I would send her to her bedroom and the tantrum would just go on forever until I came in there and found 
something to bribe her with. I don't know, you know, to, to get her to chill out. Right. But now she will actually come in here of her own volition. We never send her. I may send her to her room as punishment. I never send her in here as punishment. This place, this is sacred space right here for, for mm -hmm. safe space. Like for her, she comes here only by choice. And we've had many episodes where she'll break down, we send her to her room, and then she'll just come in here and chill out. You know, you, that's hard to replace. Right. You know, that type of a safe space. And I, I feel really grateful for what it is that we've fallen upon. And I hope that it will become a useful and more accessible uh, with time uh, product for a lot of parents. Yeah, I, I, I see so many possibilities um, just in, in learning about these myself just a few weeks ago and in, in talking with you today and thinking about even my own daughter um, who has anxiety. And I could see, I mean, she tries to do something kind of like this, you know, where she'll, she'll make her, her dorm at, at school as dark as possible. She'll make her room here at home as dark as possible. You know, she just, she's also an introvert. So being able to get away and, you know, closing her door to her room here at home and being like, I, I, I can't do, I can't deal with people. I can't deal with stuff anymore. Um, We've had people contact us about anxiety, like with your daughter, ADHD. And, uh, you know, it's it, what we say to parents is we, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And it all depends on the child. But if this is something that you want to try, then we would love to help you try it. Because first of all, it's awesome. You know, <laughs> we, we love our product. I, I've, I've been so happy working with You're this. not just the president, you're a customer. <laughs> <laughs> I got I to do that one. <laughs> I don't know. This guy's a little too pitchy. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. No, uh, but I, I think, but we always tell him like, look, if, if you want to try it out, like we, we would love to find that it's a solution. And, and if it is, then think about what that means to other families. Right. And that's been, what's been really cool is that we'll have somebody who tries it out. And inevitably, their sister or a friend will call us up and say, I saw this, you know, I see what it's doing for my nephew, my niece, or my friend's daughter, or whatever. And, you know, I just want to give it a try. And so we actually tell people, if you're in the St. Louis area, if you're fortunate enough, um, you know, then we have a store where we have one of these on display. And we tell people, like, you should just come and see how your kid reacts. And we see some really extraordinary reactions. And the regular line that we get that is just, it makes my heart melt every time someone says it. I've never seen my daughter or my son do that before. Oh, wow. Whatever that is, that may be a different thing from kid to kid, but that's sure. not the point. There's a, a visual change in behavior. You know, one of our clients who just got set up two weeks ago, her daughter would never let her or her husband blow dry her hair and now asks for it regularly. Well, so, that's... Yeah, she, because she wants, <laughs> she wants her hair to be longer, you know, that uh -huh. whatever shorter longer i don't really care but the thing is right. this is a girl who's always wanted to have long hair but couldn't stand to have blow dryers so she'd have to cut her hair right and and that to me i mean crazy you know you can't replace that yeah so that that's what we're looking for is like what's that thing that brings your child out of him or herself right 
Well, I have a feeling you're going to say to this question that this person has that um, because I you've kind of already answered it, but I'm going to share it anyway. <laughs> so this is from uh, Cassandra Signs, and she says, do you think that this would be helpful for a child that rocks and headbangs, especially as he's going to sleep and as he's close to waking up? And then, of course, the big question, which I haven't gotten to, what is the approximate cost? So to the first question, uh, that's a really wonderful question. And, and I would tell you effectively the same thing that I've told any other parent. And that is that we really can't make a promise. What I would look at, there are a couple things that I would do to really test that out. You know, number one, definitely come and see the vet if you can, because then you may be able to observe some things about your child and whether or not this has an overall soothing effect. But the other, the important question I would have for that parent is, um, how, how much of the headbanging do you believe is tied to anxiety overall? And then what type of an effect do you think that a complete enclosure will have on that anxiety? If it's going to heighten the anxiety and if it's caused by an anxiety, this is not a solution. But if this is something that, that you know, it's, it's something on, on certain level, it's an anxiety induced or at least, you know, magnified in some level by anxiety, then, yeah, I think that this has the potential to be able to help out. Uh, we have not yet had uh, any headbangers per se, though one the, the girl that I mentioned earlier who um, whose parents uh, can now blow dry their daughter's hair, um, they caught her at one point, you know, like she had moved the refrigerator and been behind the refrigerator banging her head against the wall. Uh, you know, they, they caught her at one point doing that. I mean, like this was a girl who was having very severe nightmares. Um, and... You know, and so so we've had numerous different cases. We haven't come across that one yet. I would hope that we could help. And there is cushioning, you know, all this right here, this is all plastic reinforced. The mirror itself is actually not glass. It's a, um, I, I'm going to blow the material right here, uh, which is <laughs> unfortunate. But, you know, the, these are not dangerous materials to be exposed to and certainly no more dangerous than the room wall that your child already has. And if you can see behind me, there is cushioning. I don't know if you're able to direct your child to headbang on a specific thing, you know, but that would help in that particular case. Uh, so that's a, a hard question to answer. I, I hope that that's a, a satisfiable answer at least. As for price, uh, the single unit right here that you're looking at is a, a $4,000 bed. So, you know, we don't play like, oh, you know, it's $4,000. That's cheap. You know, no, it's it's not. You know, and as with any innovation, um, this is what we tell parents, uh, you know, that as with any innovation, um, everything that comes out is going to be a little bit more expensive than it will be later on down the line. And, and it's always our hope to be able to make this more and more accessible. And, you know, if it's any comfort, you're, I'm going to give you a couple, like, you know, things to really think about. Number one, this right here. Uh, when the first cell phones came out, and really I shouldn't be holding this up, it's, instead I should be holding this up, you know, a brick. Uh, those were four thousand dollars. Yeah. You know, and this I mean, this is more powerful than any computer, uh, you know, uh, ten years ago, uh, and this was four thousand dollars coming out the gate, and so that's one of the things that we're trying to you know give perspective to, and, and there are those early adopters who are going to make a huge difference, and so we try to encourage parents like, look, you know, this is something. We're all trying to get this out. Um, the other thing is that we have been very successful at, uh, number one, getting state help, uh, which we've done in Missouri and in Minnesota. We're working on 13 other states right now. 
you know, and we encourage people like if you feel like the price is, is challenging, then you should by all means approach your um, disability department for, from the state and whatnot and see if they would help cover the costs. Every state is very different. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, for example, that Idaho is really hard. Um, and there was another state I just talked to uh, that is to- totally different from Idaho in every other respect, but is also just as hard as Idaho. You know, it's, it's right. so, uh, Illinois, I think it was, you know, they're not, <laughs> that would not surprise me. Radically different, you know? Yeah. Um, and so we, we always encourage people go to your States, go to your insurance. We will, you know, we will work with people. If they come to us and say, I really need help. I need some guidance. Like I will walk them through everything that I can think of. We've had people successfully do GoFundMe to be able to raise the money to be able to get the bed. You know, if your kids, sleeping four hours a night, you need to let the people around you know who love you. Right. You know, and a lot of parents who have kids who don't sleep very much actually don't talk a lot about that part of autism. I didn't know that that was a common feature of autism. You know, I I had no idea until, you know, about a little under two years ago. I just knew that my own son had a hard time sleeping. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so those routes, we have financing. We also have uh, a leasing program where it's, you know, 90 days, at uh, least to own uh, interest fee for the first 90 days, you know. Um, so we're very invested in creating solutions for parents who feel stretched. And then, of course, we have had some parents who understand, like, look, the value of my sleep is actually pretty high. And so they they look at that as being an investment and they, they put it in and, and the, you know, returns can be remarkable. Um, but again, you know, we want to be really upfront with everybody. We recognize that, you know, that can be a, a lot to ask and, and it's not, right. uh, we're not making a billion dollars. Uh, I'll tell you that, you know, we're, we are a startup, startup, startup. Um, and we think that our product is fantastic. I, I love doing this. I haven't seen one in person, but just hearing what you've said, and I've been to the website, you know, doing research for today. And um, if you go to the website, which is, what's the w- website address? www.zpodsforsleep.com. www.zpodsforsleep.com. I'm just putting that in our little chat box um, because I don't think you have the option to be able to do that. So zpodsforsleep.com. Hopefully I, I'm going to show it to you to make sure that I said type that in the right. Yep, that is correct. Okay. Right. Yeah. So um, on the website, it tells more information about, um, I guess a little more specific about the things that you shared as far as what's in it. Um, and it also shares some of your success stories that families have had because of having a Z-Pod in their family. Um, and I didn't look, but I presume somewhere is uh, within that website where they can apply to get this and and talk about funding and and financing. I mean, not funding. Um, Okay. So I highly encourage um, anyone who's watching this today or watching this on the replay to um, go to this website. If you think this is something that can help a loved one, whether it's your own child or someone else's child, I really see this as being an amazing thing. And I kind of I mean, I, I actually expected when you said 4,000, I don't know why, but that was the number I had in my head. And I did not see the price listed on the website. Um, and I don't know if that's because I have seen other therapeutic beds, which I would think this 
would classify as um, for higher than that, to be perfectly uh, much honest. Much higher, actually. And, and that's one of the things we want to make sure that this is accessible. And, you know, if we could do this business successfully for lower, I think we would. Um, you know, that's our, our hope in the future is always being able to find out a way to both. You know, we are a business. We want to be profitable. I'm not going to hide that from you. Um, but we also want to add to the quality of life for individuals across the world and not just autism. You know, we hope to be able to introduce things that will help this with uh, ADHD, which also commonly manifests itself in hard, you know, hard time sleeping, OCD, PTSD, which is remarkably tragically common in the United right. States um, among children. So, you know, our, our goal is, you know, and if you're a parent who just wants to ask the same wonderful question that our, our earlier question asked, you know, will it help my kid with this? You know, uh, we may have a story and we may not, but what we're going to tell you is we will try to find a way to give every child his or her own safe space with the things that, you know, this child finds soothing and comforting. Uh, every kid should be able to sleep in a place that is safe. Right. Absolutely. I agree. Well, George, um, I could talk to you for much, much longer. I have so enjoyed having you today and learning about not only your family, but about Z-Pods. And I really feel the limitless possibilities, um, which is why I wanted to have you on, because I think that your family, as well as the company Z-Pods, um, are definitely breaking barriers and not um, you're definitely under the hashtag no limits category, in my opinion. Um, so I just want to encourage anyone, um, again, to reach out to zpodsforsleep.com to get more information. Like I said, there are testimonies on there, um, stories of people gaining like over a month and a half of their time back in a year because of the amount of sleep that their loved one is getting now compared to what they used to be getting. Uh, join me here on Friday for Fridays with Fran. We're going to be talking about transitions, um, transitions from as simple, well, not as simple, but as small as from the weekend back to the school day, extended um, breaks, uh, summers, uh, transitions from high school to independent life, um, all those things that are related to special education that sometimes we don't think about. Next Tuesday on Hashtag No Limits, I will be joined again by Shay. She was with me in September, um, and she was born with a learning disability, ADHD, dyslexia, around the time that IDEA first became law. And so she has the experience of going through special education from the beginning, and now she herself is a special education teacher, and she is working with students and so sharing those differences. Um, so if you've liked this video, please make sure to uh, put a comment or a question. I can always get those to George if necessary, but um, you can like it, give it a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. If this is something I just realized um, for this pod, this broadcast that I've never done before, if you are someone who um, would like to have a free IEP checklist or a free virtual IEP checklist, drop your email below and I will be certain to get that to you. Um, you can also just go to ShellyKino.com and there'll be a form for you to fill out there. So again, George, thank you so much. Um, I very much enjoyed this. I hope that you have enjoyed this as well. And good luck with everything with Z-Pods. And for everybody else, uh, this is Shelly Kino from Shelly Kino Education Consultant, making the world better one person at a time through limitless possibilities.